And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Do you love Christmas? Do you love Christmas movies? Do you wish it was Christmas time year-round? Well, do we have a podcast for you. Welcome to the 52 Weeks of Christmas podcast. Whoa, 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 Clark. We're keeping this show family-friendly. Where's the Tylenol? Welcome to week nine of the 52 Weeks of Christmas. This is Caroline. And this is Mike. Tonight we're talking about the 1965 Peanuts Gang special, A Charlie Brown Christmas. Mm. Written by the creator of uh, the Peanuts comic strip, Charles M. Schultz. Directed by Bill Melendez. Caroline. Yes. (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> I know this is one of your very, very, very favorites. This is one of my very, very, very favorites. Like, not just Christmas things. This is one of my very favorite things. I am very interested to find out why. I And, you know... I, and I, I mentioned this at the end of the Home Alone episode, uh, uh, you know, that it was one of my favorites and I was super excited to talk about it. Part of me wishes that I had put this later in the calendar, almost Ooh. to continue building up anticipation for it and not coming across it in week nine, because that still leaves 43 weeks without a Charlie Brown Christmas in it. Oh. But but luckily, it's you know, it's available to stream on Apple Plus TV right now, like all Snoopy related things and charlie brown related things are available there which is great i mean i've watched it seven times in the last week i think wow uh, yeah it's yeah well it's, it's a short one though it's only yes. like 25 minutes so 25 i mean minutes. you're in you're out yeah you could put it on while you're just like getting dressed for the day oh you know what you could just put on and uh, and and maybe maybe this is how we should have this conversation here oh This is just, just going to play, so you can just keep talking. We're oh, just, okay. Oh, yeah, we're just going to play this, we're just doing this now? Yeah. Well, so, all right. So what is your history with old Charlie Brown? Did you watch it every year with your family? Is this something that you found as an adult? What's your scene? As far as, I mean, as, far as things that I watched every year reliably relate to Christmas, there was a Charlie Brown Christmas, there was the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Special, and there was Frosty the Snowman. Uh, so the, the Rankin-Bass ones, and, and then a Charlie Brown Christmas. Those were staples they were the only reliable staples that it wasn't christmas for me tv movie wise unless i saw those for me this why this show above all else 
it's the music. Uh, the music always appealed to me. This, this Linus and Lucy that's playing right now that eventually will become the theme song for Peanuts. All of it. The the Bible verse uh, that happens. The little sad tree. The Snoopy and and winning the light show. Charlie Brown being the most Charlie Brown that there was ever. <laughs> a Charlie Brown. All yes. of it. All of it just appealed to me. You know, I, 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 there's twenty five minutes. So twenty five I mean... minutes. You're in. Uh, and the exasperation with humanity that I identify with. I, it, there's so much that speaks to me about this. Even as an adult watching this, I enjoyed this literally I've, the, I, seven times. No joking. I had taken my notes after the second time. I didn't need to watch it another five times, but I did because it just makes me feel better. It just makes me happy. Wow. Well, that's impressive. Well, where, where would you like to start with? Would you like to start with the characters or the music or the plot or what? Well, but what's your history with this? Big, big Snoopy fans in your family. So where does the Charlie Brown Christmas sit in the, the Daily House? Oh, goodness. Well, I have my middle child is a Snoopy file. So she is in love with the Snoopster. I'm talking about like the comforter on the bed. I'm talking like we have a Snoopy calendar that's like made of wood that she like changes out the the months with like little Snoopy characters that change the month. It's, it's extreme. Um, so this kiddo knows every word to every Peanuts special ever. I mean, there's ones where like Charlie Brown just like went on a picnic. Like we have them all, all of them, including the super old school talking Snoopy that was back like way back in the 80s. And it was like a Teddy Ruxpin, if you remember him. And Mm -hmm. you put the tape in and he like reads you a story, but it's Snoopy and he reads you the story and she has all the books. Well, we have to find those on like eBay and like these crazy collectors. So these like $10 books are like hundreds of dollars and she has them all because she is an avid collector. So yeah, I get a lot of Snoopy love in my life. I, I, I belong to even a peanuts group on Facebook as to not miss any important Charlie Brown news that might be out there. Now, this is not everyone's favorite Charlie Brown. Maybe it's not most people's favorite Charlie Brown. It was the first Charlie Brown special. This, mm. it was, it was the success of this, though no one liked it that was related to the project. <laughs> Charles Schultz thought it was going to be a disaster. Bill Melendez thought it was going to be a disaster. Coca Cola that paid for it thought it was going to be a disaster. CBS hated it until they got the ratings in the next day. Uh, so no one associated with this project liked it, thought it was uh, embarrassing. Bill Melendez is on record saying at several points i was sure we had killed peanuts like the comic strip <laughs> which at this point is like 15 years old and had become a big sensation comic strip wise but charles schultz had always really resisted animating peanuts uh you know finally relented and there's a great story that we can go into later if you wanted to but they were just so unhappy with what they put forward here which i think is actually pretty funny because when you look at the entire series of charlie brown specials that they've made honestly this sets up the structure and the tempo more importantly because the tempo of a charlie brown cartoon is extremely slow compared to any other kiddo cartoon you're watching and that's something that can be very relaxing and kind of chill and it can also be kind of frustrating for the most recent peanuts movie that came out which was uh, just a couple years back we actually had a birthday party at the movie theater for the peanuts movie the adults were leaving and saying to me 
that was like pulling teeth. <laughs> like it was so slow and nothing really happens really. You know, I mean, there's not like this huge, you know, climax or something. I mean, Charlie Brown in general is a real sedate guy. And yeah. so you're going to get a real slow tempo and chill plod. Yeah, for sure. And this one, more than especially the later ones that would come when they start running out of holidays and you get your Arbor Days and you get your... I'm telling uh, you, there's one where he goes like whitewater rafting. Yeah. I mean, the, <laughs> there's some like obscure Charlie Brown shows. I mean, so I sat down and, and uh, like many of these, I, I made Tom watch them because like me, there's a lot that he hasn't seen. And he's probably seen even less than I have uh, of, of Christmas specials because uh, just his experience growing up, you know, there are very few things that that much like food he has a very small palate for things that he will watch but he will consume the same things over and over and over again so it's it's a deep well but not a very wide one mm. so i sat him down to watch this and i says 25 minutes of your life you could sit with your father and watch this thing that i may get teary at <laughs> yeah, i can't to- wait to hear why like i want to hear what gets to your heartstrings so go ahead uh, so anyway so i sat down and watched and he was very kind and he was very loving and he has a very nice heart and he's very sweet boy and you know it finished and he was like that was good that was good that that music the 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 piano kid played i was like schroeder he's like yeah i I like that that was good i like that that was good i i I, you know the i can almost see i can almost see his hands clenching looking for where his phone was desperate to see what had happened on tiktok in the 25 minutes that i had pulled him away from it but i I, you know i don't even think it's the tempo that people will knock on this i think this Uh, one uh, okay <laughs> well, I, well, I think it's one of the things, but this special in, in particular, I mean, as compared to ones that would come later, is the animation is very crude and the voice acting is not great. I, I hear where you're coming from. I know that they used real kiddos for this and, and they were they were paid dismally, Mike. It was like $5 for their participation. Pretty hilarious. Only two professional kid actors of the bunch. and. Yeah. And and not even a credit. Did you know it wasn't until the 50th yeah. anniversary that any of them, any of the kid actors got credited? And at that point, still only the f- top three, the the Lucy, the Charlie, the Linus. See, and it's Crazy. funny because like Sally, who was actually voiced by just a little four-year-old, that little one had to have her lines fed to her just like one line at a time. And I think that it actually comes off like a little kid. And so it doesn't bother me that she is not a professional voice voice actor or that she didn't do this like over the top performance. I think that the kids in this just kind of sound like kids, which, you know, from like a like a teacher ear kind of standpoint, I know the difference between that hammy, you know, Disney kid voice versus like Sally would kind of pause at the wrong time and say things at the, you know, at a funnier tempo because she's four and that's how four year olds talk. You when you know that you can hear it, but you're mm-hmm. you're 100 percent right. A little like I think Sally's supposed to be six in in the special like. The, the, her talking and reading her Christmas letter, even a letter that a kid wrote themselves would sound like that. But yeah. then you still get that payoff of a little authentic kid voice saying, tens and 
twenties. It's hysterical. <laughs> it's it makes me laugh, literally laugh out loud every time That's because funny. it's funny because it's authentic. So you know, Charles Schultz was so micromanaged so many aspects of this that really bucked the trend at the time. The the use of real trigi- real children who were not professional actors who like Kathy had to be fed their lines because they literally couldn't read. Very unheard of at the time. They also no laugh track. The the amount of things I read about how CBS and and, and everyone above Charles Schultz, even even Bill Melendez and Lee Mendelson, who was the producer, they wanted to they were trying to push for a laugh track because think back to like the Flintstones. If you ever watch the like Flintstones from the times it aired as a as a primetime series had a laugh track even animated series had a laugh track because because people are dumb apparently and need to be told <laughs> when to laugh and you have to cue yeah, them but yeah but you know what again that is just not a peanuts mood no. you know that's not the tone of these shows none of them are like a laugh right even when snoopy does things you know and snoop is like my man like he's the one that saves this one for me in terms of there just being like these little moments with snoopy that i just like love that i look forward to he's the I urkel like- of peanuts he, no, I, mean, it was, I give him like higher credits than Urkel. Gosh, he's definitely the comic relief. But well, Family not, Matters was supposed to be about Carl and his family until Urkel's introduced and he becomes the fan favorite. Peanuts is supposed to be about Charlie Brown and his friends, and then Snoopy becomes this massive favorite once the specials and once he is animated and all of the <laughs> wacky adventures are given life. Snoopy becomes the fan favorite, and it becomes a very Snoop centric world, which I'm, I don't have a complaint with. I love Snoopy. I, I mean. Snoopy is you come for his laughs. Um, you come for you come for Charlie Brown's psychotherapy, but you stay for Snoopy's like you know antics. So I love his little noises; they're so cute. <laughs> Um, so Bill Melendez, uh, deciding that they had to have some kind of voice for Snoopy, he went in and he just spoke gibberish into a tape recorder, and then they sped uh, they sped it up like you would speed up the speed of like a record uh, to to make it sound like Snoopy, and so that it was not obvious that an adult was just speaking gibberish. But the like all that all that noise that's just Bill Melendez speaking nonsense into a microphone, and then put my on a favorite is when he's like, it's so funny. <laughs> I love when he makes those sounds. Uh, one thing I forgot. Uh, and because I, I hadn't, I guess, watched this in a little bit of a while before watching it again this latest round. Snoopy's super mean to Charlie Brown. <laughs> he's like, he's like really uh, like antagonistic. He's kind of like the cool kid, and Charlie really Brown is, cool. you know, I mean, he's such a wet blanket, like ninety nine percent of the time that he's a mope. He for sure. is, and and so you know. It's funny because a lot of times people criticize kids shows because they'll say that they were given adult problems or they were or they handled things in an adult way. The way that kids interacted with each other seemed way too adult. We hear that all the time. But in this case, it's funny because the kids absolutely act like adults but like the worst parts of adults, like the sad side of adults, the like grief and guilt and just like just tragic side of adulthood is like all over these kids. You know, most of the time when they're when they're like children playing like these kind of adult things, they're just like figuring out solutions that are just like way more complicated than little kids figure out. But that's not the case here. This is just like the weight of the world is on Chuck's shoulders all the time. Oh, yeah. Uh- like this, you mean? I just don't understand Christmas, I guess. I like getting presents and sending Christmas cards and decorating trees and all that, but I'm still not happy. I always end up feeling depressed. Charlie Brown, 
You're the only person I know who can take a wonderful season like Christmas and turn it into a problem. Maybe Lucy's right. Of all the Charlie Browns in the world, you're the Charlie Brownie. <laughs> it's oh so true. You know, I have to say, and listening to Charlie's little voice from this special, it is remarkable how much it reminded me of old Kevin McAllister from last week. His voice, the way that he Real pronounces vibe. things. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. It sounds so much the same. I really, what I was watching, I was like, this is amazing. I would be shocked if Macaulay Culkin, if, if someone sat him down and said, when you were getting ready to shoot this Christmas movie and carry all these adult lines and thoughts, you know, what were some of the things you watched? I would be shocked if a Charlie Brown Christmas wasn't part of that <laughs> research because you're 100 percent right this is a kid wrestling with the weight of the world i mean charlie brown in 1965 caroline is 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 wrestling with what our podcast is about like what is christmas what makes something a christmas movie is is essentially is what is christmas about you know i don't understand it the and and kudos to this little kid for sensing that the commercialism the idea that you know send me gifts and if not you know just semi tens and twenties is wrong. Like that is a wrong, that's a wrong spirit for anyone to have, but certainly for kids to have. Right. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's sad that, that Charlie has experienced such situations in his life that he, you know, doesn't know that, that things are okay or that, or that he just feels this on his shoulders. You know, I I just think it's wild. I think you and I both know kids though. Maybe they're a bit older than Charlie Brown, but we both know kids though that carry the weight of the world on their shoulders in a way that they shouldn't have to, but because of their makeup or whatever. They're old souls, I would say. Yeah, old souls, you know, probably, you know, Charlie Brown very much acts like an only child, certainly the oldest sibling, but he acts very much because only children tend to be much more mature than their age belies because they are surrounded by adults almost exclusively for long periods of time. Charlie Brown has a real vibe to that. Almost like Sally maybe was an accident. Oh, Uh, God. (laughs) Well, and the funny thing is that Sally is six and Charlie Brown, for the most part, people agree that he's supposed to be around eight. Sally just seems so much littler than him and he seems so much more grown well he's but- bald i mean he's- <laughs> right. I mean, he's either got alopecia or he just has the most unfortunate hairline <laughs> genes in the history of man he just has super thin hair <laughs> well he's got that one curly cue which it's just one wiggle <laughs> that one wiggle is fantastic it's it a real it's a whole vibe but it's just oh the my one. goodness so let's let's dive into these characters let's dive into the different ones and talk to me a little little bit about who you like and who you don't like you already said you totally feel like charlie brown is your dude I spent a lot of time alone growing up. I, my sisters were quite older than me. And so while they were oft put in charge of me in a technical sense, they were doing their own thing. You know, so I was left to my own devices. I, I, I had TV to keep me company. I had music. I had video games. But I didn't – I never had friends over the house. You know, I I sat and, and had a lot of time to think by myself. And I, there's a lot of that. I mean, Charlie Brown talks about, like, being depressed. I never would have called myself depressed as a kid, but definitely thought about things that maybe other kids weren't thinking about because 
I don't know, it's what I was seeing on TV. You know, I was I was watching Goodfellas, bootleg videotapes of Goodfellas in 1990 when I was 12. That's not what a 12 year old should be watching, but that's what I was watching. You know, I, I saw the Godfather before I was a double digit age. You know, like I was exposed to things because my parents weren't great <laughs> and uh, and and just treated me older. So I, things like what is Christmas about? I, I mean, I I would sit at Christmas time underneath my parents' Christmas tree. I would lay there for hours listening to Christmas albums on their like stereo. The only time I would get up from underneath the tree would be to like replace or flip over the Christmas album. And then I would go back and I would just stare up underneath the tree at like the lights and kind of get lost. I just sat and I kind of thought, what are you doing? What were you thinking about in that little Mike Breen? I'd like pull you out by the ankle and be like, what are you doing under here? <laughs> And I would, I would, I would say, you know, just thinking, but I don't even know if just thinking, I have to just, just kind of zoning out, just kind of letting it all wash over me. There's something very much about Christmas that I find very rejuvenating. Not that I, I'm going to get down into like the Bible and the reason for the season, which is where. Well, this, this was... one sure does. One of our, one of our few Christmas specials so far that has. And a big knock against it. It was one of the things when, when the people in charge of this CBS and Coca-Cola, they were not crazy about it again because no one talked about the bible on tv certainly not in kids cartoons it was verboten you didn't do it on top of the laugh track on top of the kids actors but the bible aspect more than anything else charles schultz insisted that that linus reading the bible be included it was like where he drew the line on top of everything else do you want to know something? Multiple years at Christmas dinner, my middle child has stood up and from memory said the Linus speech. I guess you were right, Linus. I shouldn't have picked this little tree. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. I mean... I didn't even know she had it memorized, though. That's she, insane. like, stood up at Christmas and did that. <laughs> That's impressive. That is- I was like, what are we doing? Okay, this is happening. This past year, I actually like caught it fast enough and actually recorded her doing it. Aww. But not when she was so small, because I didn't even know what was going to happen. And I didn't have my phone. I didn't have anything to record her with. That's not cool at Christmas dinner to have your phone. So I was like, oh my gosh, this is happening. She's like standing up and doing this. <laughs> yeah, this is like a whole like she does like a performance art piece with this piece. Now, when we when we think when we sit and think about what is Christmas is what is Christmas about what what makes something a Christmas movie or a Christmas TV special, 
you know, of all the things that you look back on the eight weeks prior, the things we've talked about are goodwill towards men, which actually gets mentioned in the speech. But we talk about hope. We talk about family. We talk about belief and believing in Santa Claus and 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 the, that kind of spirit. Uh, not once have we talked about the birth of Jesus at all. Like it hasn't come up. And we've talked a lot about Christmas so far in two months of doing this. That's true. The the only part that we started to kind of dip our toe in was with Home Alone with like Midnight Mass and starting to to kind of inch our way towards like, you know, they had the nativity scene out front of the church and things like that. That was really the first movie that really tried to kind of dive into that. For sure. And even then, it it is it's more like window dressing. Uh, Very much. And and at the end of it, it really comes back to the idea of family. Charlie is like rejuvenated by this, though. This is what he has been searching for. Uh, if this was his low point right here. Find the true meaning of Christmas when money, 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 spectacular, super colossal, neighborhood Christmas lights and display contest. Lights and display contest? Oh, no. My own dog gone commercial. I can't stand it. Oh, that oh it, it's it's seared into my brain caroline that exasperation is seared into my brain when oh i gosh. sigh i hear him in my head oh it's <laughs> if that's his low point hearing this this bible verse from linus on the on the spotlighted stage it awakens him it changes him it transforms him am i exaggerating does he not go home with a spring in his step right after this i think he does because i think this goes back to the whole heart of of charlie brown and the peanuts and just how simple again that tempo that tone that slowing down that more simple time that's what charlie brown is is lusting after he wants a time when we're not worried about how we decorated our tree or what we did outside with our house or or buying big expensive presents he wants it to get back to something that's actually meaningful to people this is the moment the the thing that i love about that little scene and elizabeth has pointed it out to me many times is the fact that linus drops his little blanket during that scene and that it's one of the few times that he isn't holding his blanket it's very intentional it's i'm going to do something very big boy i don't need my blanket for protection to do i don't need my whoopee here to do this i think also it's a sense of security like if you have a deep faith you don't need a security blanket and and so there's something to that that i feel like you know we've seen him throughout this special but then you know of course if you watch or look at the um the Peanuts cartoons and the newspaper up until this point, they, you know, he uses his blanket all the time. Like he makes it his little like sports coat. He makes it his little, you know, the little part where he's like making his little shepherds, little, uh, what do we call that? I wanted to call it a hat, but it's not a hat. What it's we like call a that? little, um, uh, cafea. That's what it is. It's a cafea. It's like a little babushka to me. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a, the kefir cafe. It's something you would see like, like, uh, like someone a in the shepherd. Middle East, uh, someone sure. in the Middle East would put over their head to keep out the sun. Yeah. So, I, you know, there's something about that speech that that is very special. And, and obviously, I think when it's such a short little special, I mean, it's only 25 minutes and it's typically played, you know, right in the middle of Christmas. Although this year, since it was sold off to Apple Plus, they weren't going to play it. That really upset a lot of the Peanuts community. There was a lot of anger about that. And they ended up allowing it to be played on CBS, which 
very glad that they did because I had one middle kid here very upset about the whole thing. Even though you had access to it the whole time, there's something about it's coming on at seven o'clock. Get your stuff together. Get your little popcorn or whatever, and we're going to watch it. Something about that is special and traditional in and of itself. So the fact that we could turn it on anytime, any day, doesn't matter. That little moment with Linus and and Charlie Brown sort of getting that second wind really feels like all of us, though, at Christmas time, because we all stop for those 25 minutes. We remember what this is about and we're kind of like ready to go again. Yeah, it is. And you're so right, though, about it airing during the Christmas season on TV. There is it's it's just like whatever the alchemy was that put me in a Christmas mood laying under my tree listening to Christmas music, watching this or Rudolph or Frosty, not Frosty Returns, that that's not good. But you know, there there <laughs> there are certain of those specials that there's a reason why John Favreau committed copyright infringement and you know to put it right. in elf to make that ode. There's something that is rejuvenating about the season watching those on tv with commercials and all of that baked into it it's an event it's an event yeah it for me it falls under like why i don't have like a spotify playlist or you know like a like a little ipod shuffle action going on or what have you i don't do that i like to listen to the radio because i like it when things come on organically and i just like to be surprised by that and i love it at the christmas season when it's all like oh, it's time for penis is coming on tonight like it's like that kind of thing where you're like oh my gosh it's the moment you know there's something much more exciting to come across it on tv than to stick it in the you know dvd player or or purposely go on a streaming service. So, uh, yeah, so Charlie Brown, I definitely identify with. But then, uh, you know, you have Linus, who who is really his, he's his Jiminy Cricket in a lot of ways, when he gives this meaning to him. And he's the one who's, you know, goes with him to the, to the trees, you know, the tree lot to pick out a Christmas tree. Uh, and so we've talked about him. But what about Lucy? Because Lucy is oddly pro charlie brown in this special which is not how i think of lucy generally but she sticks up for him a lot in this though she she's also caught up in the commercialism of christmas even though she may be a fan of charlie brown's in this and pushes for him to become the christmas director the christmas play director to you know to give him something to do and help his depression she is also out for the me 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 money 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 generation well see i think see it's interesting that you took it like that she you know is trying to help his depression or something like that. Yes, in terms of like how she was saying, well, you know, from that, we always have those little vignettes of her being the little psychiatrist. You know, for her, she wants to be on the stage. She wants to be in the spotlight and sure. they need a director. So she's never... She never excludes Charlie Brown. She just is always very belittling of him. Yes, she is. But not in this one, or less so in this one. The other kids are, I think, far meaner to Charlie Brown. I mean, the, there's some really bad language, not not curse word language, but there's some really mean words said to Charlie Brown in this special, which, again, I didn't really remember, and I probably pick up more now as an adult or as a parent. I mean, they use, like, stupid jerk oh, yeah. blockhead is like the least of the issues they they really go at him for when he shows up with the little sick you know charlie brown christmas tree yeah like really mean so but not but not lucy 
last Christmas, I totally had like, I have this sapling out in the front yard that just won't go. And so we bought like a piece of cloth that looks like Linus's blanket that was gigantic and like wrapped it around the little sapling and got this like one red ornament that's like the size of my head and hung it on the, the end of it. That was our Christmas decorations like that for that year because it was, you know, first of all, just like, remember the simplicity, remember what we're doing here. It's right after the psychiatry, you know, she flips, you know, the doctor is in um, and she makes him pay the nickel, the five cents ahead. And she has this quote, boy, what a sound. How I love the sound of clinking bunny, that beautiful sound of cold, hard cash, nickels, 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 that beautiful sound of clinking nickels. What a great, smart way to continue to reinforce this money, money, money thing. It's everywhere. It's everywhere Charlie Brown goes. Even his own sister, even my own dog, even his psychiatrist is just <laughs> money obsessed. This is 1965, but have we changed very much as a society? How much of Christmas is still, still about buying this or buying that you and i have had this I, we had this conversation i feel like every christmas time thinking, you know talking about presents for kids and family members and stuff uh, the the idea of spending money uh, you know versus a heartfelt gift or you know it, it, it's still an issue and we're talking how many years later what, what yeah. how old is this special now uh, um, you have to do the math. I know. Math's uh, not my uh, part. 56 years later. 56 years later, and we haven't changed. We still love the sound of nickels, nickels, nickels. Yeah, absolutely. And, it, and it's always been, you know, one of those things where you can take advantage of people when they're having these like sentimental moments. That's the best time when you can, you know, grab some money out of their pocket. And that's exactly what goes on at Christmas time. You know, the stores are like, if you really love that person, you know, then you will get them this expensive present. And the, mm -hmm. and the amount you spend on that person is exactly proportionate to how much you love them. Ah, <laughs> that's terrible. When I was a teenager, my parents had begun to phone it in even more than they used to as parents. Uh, when it came to Christmas time, you know, there were no more, what do you want? There were no more Christmas lists. It was, we're going to get you gift cards. My sisters were totally cool with this because my sisters, and I would say 14, 15, my sisters were 20, 22. They didn't care. They, they preferred gift cards. They didn't want my parents going out and trying to buy them clothes or whatever. I made such a stink, Caroline. It, it, it is one of the early fault lines in my relationship with my family is Christmas and it's the idea of Christmas presents. And I have such clear memories of telling them, I don't care what you buy me. Think about something you think I'd like based on what you know about me. Put it in a box. Wrap it. That's all I care about. I don't care what's inside of it. I care about you going through the exercise of thinking about something that you think will make me happy and presenting it to me wrapped up. It could be a, a, a dollar a baseball card. But if you thought because you remembered sometime when I was a little kid, I really like that player, you know, you want to go get me a Mookie Wilson 1986 Mets baseball card and put it in a box, that would probably cost you more than a dollar. Right. <laughs> yeah, you know, but something like that, right? But like, it, let, let's say it was like sure. today seven. If, if, if that's what it was, I didn't care. I, the idea of gift cards, that's what, this is one of the things, I mean, if you're, if you're putting it together, I detest that kind of thing the idea the idea of tens and 20s makes my skin crawl for christmas time i'm curious were you as thoughtful a gift giver as you were a receiver 
Yeah, you were. I, so you like went out and bought something for your dad, and went out and bought something for your mom. And I tried and each as much as like I had money to do so, or or some something that with uh, that I thought they would like. And uh, yeah, I take I take gift giving very seriously, and 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 sometimes I end up not getting a gift because I couldn't come up with the idea, and then I'll try and do a card or write something really nice. But even still today, I, I would I would always prefer someone go buy or make something and put it in a box and wrap it up because they think I'll like it because because it made them happy to think that I would like it that's what mm. it is it's it's the stopping and thinking about who is this person and what would make them happy or smile whether or not they're wrong and god knows i've been given some horrible gifts you know what and i've cherished every one of them if i <laughs> if i thought that it was sincere in its intention those are the very best gifts and so i feel charlie brown so much in this the all of it oh even just talking about it now out loud it's like it's like my own little therapy but <laughs> i that's why that's why i that's why i connect with this and so much i and i always have i feel the same way I, I think that audiences, you know, really agree with you because, you know, you've said a couple of times that this was really thought to be a flop, but then really audiences were really receptive to it. And, you know, gosh, when you come down to that idea that that it was a whole fad thing of having those aluminum Christmas trees. And when they show them on the cartoon, I was like, oh, my gosh, that's so funny that they have all these like pink trees and whatever. And surely I've seen them over the years, but they had way gone out of favor. They're fads now. They're like kitschy nostalgia now. Yeah. But now that I like realize that this actual Christmas special had an had an impact on what people went out and decided to buy and decided to to pull back and and get real trees again and you know or just simplify generally like not have this really I mean how over processed of a Christmas are you having when you have an aluminum Christmas tree <laughs> you know I mean that is like could you manufacture Christmas more like that's frightening I think it's within two years. I think it's by by the Christmas season of 1968. Aluminum tree sales were no longer being regularly manufactured, and yeah. everyone points to. I read a bunch of different places. You know, everyone points to this special, this special as being the beginning of the decline of that. Though God, they're so gaudy. But you know, in a time when there, when you know, TV dinners, there's this whole late fifties, early sixties thing where the Beatles are brand new. All of that. There's a whole era there where aluminum trees feels like a real, a real part of Americana. So I totally understand that vibe in that period. Well, they're practical in one way. And so I get that. You know, I mean, they, they are practical. I had a fake tree my entire life. I've never owned a real tree, Christmas tree in my life. But every tree I ever had was never aluminum. It wasn't metal or pink. It was made to look at like a Christmas tree. But you would put it away in a box because that was just practical instead of going to a Christmas tree lot and, you know, keeping a tree alive. With I think the living in the, in the city is probably much more... That probably is much more true, right? I mean, I, I, so. I didn't live in a city, and so I, I had a real tree for majority of my life, and it was always a big old thing, <laughs> always a big deal. Like you said, you know, trying to keep the dogs from drinking out of the the tree water. <laughs> oh, the needles—they're there everywhere. You're gonna pay. You're gonna be picking those needles up at. I'm not gonna say Fourth of July, but you're gonna be picking those needles <laughs> up at Easter time still in your carpet. For sure, for sure. I fur, think it's. I think it's fur. Oh I see what you God, did there. You're making you Christmas did. tree puns. I picked it up. 
I love how popular that the special actually ended up being because I think that it does speak to what people really at their hearts and core really want. You know, I I think that there's a lot of times when we have these really like huge, bright, crazy Christmas specials, you know, that all those we've seen so many over the years. And this one, it's just so quiet and so unassuming. And it's just kind of confronts everything, all of our quote unquote traditions and are like, is this really the real thing? Is this, yeah, is this where we're best putting our energy? Right. Yeah, like, you know, my kids will enjoy watching the, like, Christmas uh, light fight that comes on at Christmas time now, where they go around to different homes and they show how elaborate they are. And at the end of it, you know, we'll all kind of look at each other and be like, my God, you know, like, that is a really wild way to spend your holiday season. You could you could clearly understand that these people forget about buying gifts for one another. Like I don't even know if they did anything other than work on their displays, you know? It's just it's too much for me anymore. Like we we barely put out stuff this year. I put out an elf blow up and a Santa Claus and it was funny. And it was a cute little scene. But like I was like, that's enough. Like that's enough. Yeah. Yeah, and, it's and very again, like babe, like, I, like yeah, no, do, I mean, pig. listen, I, I'll I'll go drive through a Christmas tree, uh, a Christmas light, you know, thing that people put up. I'll, I'll go get in the car. I'll take Tom. We'll get in the car. We'll go drive around, look at Christmas because I love Christmas lights, and I appreciate people who do who do that. But yeah, when you're doing it as competition, when yeah. you're doing it so that you can see it at, in the at the space station, when when you're Clark Griswold, I, right. I mean, you've lost sight of why are you doing this? Why? you know why why is snoopy doing this snoopy's not putting the lights up on his house because he thinks it looks great that monstrosity eyesore that he puts together (laughs) he's doing it because he wants to win money 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 he wants to come in first place and he does it's funny that you say that thing about like the kind of like the like the lots of lights on a house or something because the reality is around here people pay to have those put up that's like where you lose me. It's like, it's one thing if you want to go and like, you know, we thought creatively and was like, I want this elf and then I want this Santa and I wanted to be making this Santa Santa face and like, I'm going to make this little vignette and it's small and it's not that garish or whatever. But then you go to the next block and you see like every inch of the house is covered in lights and you know, the, the company is leaving who put them all up and you're like, were they more in the spirit or were we more in the spirit? You know, like, I am pretty sure that, yeah, you paid to play here, but like, this isn't what Christmas is about, you know? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. It bums me out. It, and, and here's the other gross out thing. You know what else that means? Every single house is decorated exactly the same because all the companies do it exactly the same. They outline the roof and it's like, wow, exciting. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. where was the creativity? Where's the, where's the interesting little parts here? Like, no, there's nothing exciting about that. You know, I I think I think we've said a lot actually about this movie and this special and and how it sets itself apart from other things about Christmas. Maybe I don't know that we're going to come across another Christmas special or movie on our 52 weeks that has this take on Christmas and this approach to Christmas at all. I I think this really stands alone and I think it's part of the longevity. Uh, Caroline, when you say that this was popular with audiences and to the shock of CBS, it was popular with audiences, 15,490,000 homes watched this in 1965. Do you know how many, uh, what the share of TVs in use that represents? 
No, I have no idea. 50%. 50% of all televisions in America watched the Charlie Brown Christmas special the uh, the night it aired. It actually ended still ended up coming in second in the ratings that night. It actually lost to an original episode of um Bonanza. Uh, it aired at a 7.30 p.m. time slot, not even what we consider prime time now, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. It replaced an episode of The Monsters. It, re- it preempted an episode <laughs> of The Monsters, and it pulled 50 share. Half of America watched this. That's why we have the Peanuts gang. That's why we have it's the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown. Uh, it's Valentine's Day Charlie Brown. It's Arbor Day Charlie Brown. We have all of those because America got what they were, what Charles Schultz was was trying to say here, what, what he was trying to do. And it's not a surprise that Coca-Cola was terrified and CBS was, were terrified <laughs> watching this. The, the rep who set this up from Coca-Cola saw an early cut of it and he said, listen, this is garbage. If I, <laughs> if I tell Coca-Cola what I've seen here, they will pull this and it will never air. He's like, I'm going to keep my mouth shut because I like you and I want to keep this relationship. But this is not good what you're doing here. <laughs> well, they wrote it in one afternoon. I mean, I think the origin story of it is fascinating that, you know, they really were approached is. by Coca-Cola and, you know, they weren't even thinking about a Christmas special, but they just were like total like, yeah, okay, we're, we, yeah, of course we already have one going. I love that they did that and they just like scrapped it together. That's, that's so like peanuts, right? And like, and created this in just a day, you know, the story, which a little bit, I must say, out of the side of my mouth, you can tell it was thought about in just a day because it's not a complicated story there isn't you know this layering there isn't anything like where you're like well adults get it on this level but kids get it i don't know i think it's pretty simple story which is okay i think that's i think that's what it was striving to be simple but important it's not a vapid question it's asking it's not a it's not a pointless story it's an important story. Why do we celebrate Christmas? What is Christmas about? I don't understand what Christmas is about. I don't understand, you know, he says this thing he's, when he looks in his mailbox and he gets that echo effect because there's no cards in his mailbox. I know nobody likes me. Do we need an entire season to remind me of it? Like, it's the competition. It's the people paying, it's the people paying to have the lights put up. Why are we celebrating Christmas? What we've, we've come, we've gone so far afield. So simple story. Yes. Complicated. No important i'd say it's extremely important what it's what it's asking and talking about i agree and i think that it i'm glad that they recognized how long it should be and they kept it at just 25 minutes i think that that's a really reasonable runtime for really even little kids you know they can hang in there and and as an adult it's one of those things where again it's slow it's simple and and back then we kind of joke about this all the time that like I don't really understand adults of yesteryear in terms of what they were willing to accept as entertainment, but this was not complicated and neither are lots of the shows. The fact that like the Munsters is what it replaced and adults would have been watching that. Okay. You know, (laughs) we understand what everyone was thinking about during that time. It was a much more simple time and what, what was being created as entertainment and that's fine. But I think that you're right that it's very impactful and the fact that it would have so far reaching effects like in the way that people celebrate Christmas with their little tree or the fact that, you know, it's played every single year since. I mean, that's remarkable. Only it's the second longest continuously airing Christmas special in America. The only one that beats it is Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, which premiered the year before in 1964. 
it, wow. they're the two longest continuously running every single year have uh, have aired uh, Christmas specials in the country. I guess in my own mind, I think of Charlie Brown as a bit of a pessimist. And I when I look at him, I kind of like kind of tilt my head at him because it's so the antithesis of my own personality that I'm like, Charlie Brown, what is your business? Is there someone on the show that you would consider like the eternal optimist? Is it Snoopy? Is he the yin yang to Charlie Brown? Oh, he's definitely the yin yang to Charlie Brown. Snoopy's just looking for a good time. Uh, <laughs> you know, he just wants to be where the party is. He's Joe that Cool. There's a really reason funny. why he becomes Joe Cool in the 90s, right? Yeah, sure. That's, that's his entire vibe is I'm yep. going to go kill the Red Baron. I'm yeah, going to dogfight. I'm going to have a little ale. I'm going to wear a, a, a kicky little scarf and I'm going to just go have a good time, man. I got my little Woodstock with me. That's all he needs. Yeah. And no Woodstock in this movie. Totally weird, right? I know. It is weird. And I, I feel his his absence, to be honest with you. No Peppermint Patty either. I didn't realize Peppermint Patty doesn't actually, she will come along for a couple of years. Not, it's not even just like the next, but it's, it's a couple of years before Peppermint Patty actually uh, Mike, makes Mike, if appearance. you look at the dance scene, when you were talking about this as being kind of crude animation, <laughs> Like the dancing, there's like multiple characters that are the same character. <laughs> Listen, that dance scene is That's funny. That dance scene is fantastic. And there is a kid in the back doing the running man. And I say <laughs> he's doing the running man and it looks like he's doing a little bit of like a, of a zombie version of it. It's yeah, kind of, yeah. you know, but he's doing it in 1965. The running man doesn't become a thing until the like nineties where it really takes off. And maybe even the early aughts, you know, where, where it becomes pervasive in this country. Trend setting, trend setting the Charlie Brown Christmas special. Um, yeah. When you think about Snoopy, think about Snoopy being on Schroeder's piano, getting down, and then he gets embarrassed. And he has like the little pink cheeks and stuff when when uh, Schroeder and Lucy just stare at him with daggers. He he's fantastic. He's fantastic, and he is the opposite. He he is probably what's keeping Charlie Brown alive without Charlie Brown even like realizing it. Yeah, but yeah, I, I mean, I think a lot of ways. Actually, I think Lucy in a lot of ways is the human opposite of charlie brown because she's so freaking mean mike i can't stand all that freaking pulling of the football action that she always does i can't stand that business so she's she's she gets she's on my nerves man she gets yeah. into my skin yeah she she's bad people she's she's someone that i would <laughs> she's someone that if i was the parent of one of these latchkey kids who have no parents i would say you're not allowed to play with lucy van pelt i understand you're friends <laughs> with linus lucy is a bad kid i don't want to <laughs> associating with her but she is the opportunist right she is america she is she's the most america of anyone in this show she is confident she is mm -hmm. bold she has no reason to be any of those things and she she's knows entrepreneurial, where she's, she's entrepreneurial right uh, yeah all of that i mean she is <laughs> she is moving forward always nothing gets her down she she is she is america in a little kid and and charlie brown is a, a wet blanket mope he is like an older man, I think. I think he, I mean, obviously he's Charles Schultz, but I mean, I just, I think he, he just, he has this old sensibility, which is another reason why I think it actually played out so well in people's homes. Because I think that if you were a dad, which is not surprising, the other, the other 50% who's watching Bonanza, the dad had a stronger hold on the television set. <laughs> That's all. Um, because if a Western is winning, come on. 7.30. I mean, guy, he's, he's probably just finishing dinner. The phone has been taken off of the Just hook. Just finishing dinner. Oi, oi, oi. I thought you were eating dinner at five. This is like second after dinner drink is happening right uh, now. Seven thirty. Yeah, I guess you're right. You're probably right. Dinner is probably at five. Hell to pay if it's not served by 530. Because maybe he's getting home at five. You know, he's probably coming yeah. home from the factory He's like at in five. his leisure outfit. 
A factory? You're funny. I never even considered a factory. Yeah, he's coming okay. home. He's got the Etzel or the DeSoto, and he's, you know, he's coming home. Uh, his feet are probably up on the ottoman. He's got the pipe I figure the factory guy's watching Bonanza. I'm thinking that these are, like, suburban households with, like, young kids, and the mom's like, let's just, like, let it. It's only 25 minutes. Let's just let it play. And just, like, you know, let, let him have this one little thing here. And, you know, it's the kind of thing that there's enough of that sort of, like, dry humor that I think that dads are about. There is some puns in there and whatnot that I feel like, mm-hmm. This is, this is the dad world here. They, it was speaking to someone. What dad, when he's saying, when he's doing his money, 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 ah, you know, yeah. and he's yelling at his sister about the 10s and 20s, what dad in 1965 doesn't feel, uh, from their point of view, that their wife, that they're not George Jetson, right? The end of the Jetson's opening theme, when he has to just give out money to, to the kids uh, and, and to Jane as she goes by. That's everyone in 19, that's every stereotypical dad in 1965. Everyone. Be- fair women weren't allowed to open bank accounts without their father or their husband i'm not saying so come on i'm not saying it is correct <laughs> i'm saying the stereotypical dad though is identifying with charlie brown you're the little yeah. the little man it's the working dad he represents he's like these kids don't appreciate anything that they got i built he a, is I, absolutely the exhausted working yeah, dad yeah, yeah. <laughs> i've been building a soapbox for little joey there's it's gonna it's gonna have flames and my blood on it and he doesn't care all he wants is his aluminum tree this freaking kid yeah that's charlie brown charlie brown i you know he he's the i don't know he's such a funny little dude i i think that i understand why people relate to him and i think at different points in time good grief is a daily saying in this house so i hear good grief all the time good grief it's so funny you know it's uh uh coca-cola is the one who bought the special and you're right they gave them only six months to put this together but they wanted to see a copy of it in five days after they had asked for it so they only had like this much time to come up with a story uh, Mendelssohn, who's the producer, he calls Charles Schultz right after uh, Coca-Cola. He gets off the phone with him and he says, I just sold a Charlie Brown Christmas. Charles Schultz says, what is that? Mendelssohn <laughs> says, that's the new show that you and I have to come up with this weekend. Mendelssohn, because they, they wanted an outline in four days, right? Mendelssohn later recalled a long pause of silence before Schultz responded very casually. Okay, we can do it. So April, because Coca-Cola sees peanuts on the cover of Time, the comic strip in, in April, they say, we want this done six months. We're going to air it in October. Do you know how long animation takes? The the things that our kids watch, the movies that we watch, the animated specials, those are in productions for years, yeah. years. And they cost hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars for most m- modern animation. They made this for $76,000 Coca-Cola gives them. They go 20000 over budget. So the entire Charlie Brown Christmas special, this this perennial 56-year Christmas classic, $96,000. It costs Coca-Cola. That's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. But you know what? And like good on them in terms of like what the special's trying to say, right? Like you didn't have to spend millions of dollars to get this little effective message out there. You could have a simple story. Well, good on Charles on Charles Schultz though too, right? I mean, so the things that make this stand out, the things that make this feel so authentic. I think I think you were so on the nose about using real kids to play to voice these lines where you get the stunted recordings. 
every tape, every recording I've played on this podcast tonight, you can hear where they're just little chunks all edited together because the inflections are all off. The timing is all off. It sounds wonky as hell because it was only like Sally, uh, Kathy, what's her name? Steinberg. She could only say a couple of lines at a time because she had to get every line read to her and she can only remember a couple of words at a time. That's why it sounds like that. There's only a breath for like three or four words and then a pause and then an edit. And then they had to cut it together. <laughs> but it's so cute. That, that one section, it always sticks in my head when she's doing the like, I just want my fair share. I, that I, part. Yeah. Oh, God, I just it sticks want, in my I head. I just want a mode. Yeah. It's so cute. So cute. So, so good. What does the music do for you this? Because like I think I said this before, the music is I've I've listened to this soundtrack this week probably more times than I've even watched the special uh because you can get the you can get the soundtrack on Spotify. Well, uh, again, as much as I hear about Peanuts, I have to hear about the Vince Guaraldi trio. So I know lots about Vince Guaraldi and his trio. <laughs> so, yeah, I, you know, yeah, I appreciate- we missed it. We missed it. We should have had Elizabeth, an Elizabeth Connor on this She's episode. She's just in the other room if you want me to grab her. <laughs> she, I, would, I would love a few words from her, honestly. Sure, about she could this. Come in. Yeah. So here's the thing. Vince Guaraldi, I think this was fascinating that they chose jazz. I, you have to go back to that time and you have to remember that the 60s were a time when music was like a jumble between like what the young people were listening to and what older people were listening to. They were very different types of music and very different sounds. Jazz is this amazing outlier of those that was like, hey, man, we don't want to get in the argument between what's good music and what's quote unquote noise, right? Because that's what like the younger people's music was. I think that they were brilliant in choosing jazz. It's kind of like this evergreen, you know, no one is ever like, oh, jazz is so played out. Like, whatever. Jazz is as old as it's ever been, it feels like, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. it just is. People also, this is kind of a funny thing, I don't think that people necessarily the masses embrace jazz in the way that you know other music maybe like classic rock or something is right or classical a lot of people may not just play jazz on their spotify okay but that's what makes it brilliant because when you hear it and you hear this tempo and you hear this exact type of of music you think of charlie brown like how brilliant is it to choose a genre of music that isn't commonly heard all the time it's it's genius. It's absolute genius. The truly funny thing is Charles Schultz had nothing to do with the music selections, right? So he leaves it to Mendelssohn, the producer, to to deal with the music. It's Lee Mendelssohn who actually hires Goraldi Trio the year before to score the documentary. That's how Mendelssohn and Schultz, they meet because Mendelssohn contacts Schultz to do a documentary about Charlie Brown. Because he loves this comic strip. Mendelssohn had, had come to popularity because he had made a baseball documentary about Willie Mays called A Man Named Mays. Charles Schultz is a fan of Willie Mays, says, all right, well, I liked, I like Willie Mays and I like what you did with that. So I'll let you make a documentary about Charlie Brown. Lee Mendelssohn contacts Vince Guaraldi and says, I need music for this documentary. So 1964, Jazz Impressions 
of A Boy Named Charlie Brown comes out. It's an album Goraldi puts out with music that was used to score A Boy Named Charlie Brown, the documentary in 1964. That's actually where Linus and Lucy, the peanut, what would become the, the synonymous as the Peanuts theme song, actually comes from. It comes from that documentary the year before. It just becomes super popular after A Charlie Brown Christmas because he, he recycles it for this special. Charles Schultz, after the special airs, tells a reporter, God, jazz is awful. I hate it. That's the truly funny thing. I mean, <laughs> this 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 put Christmas music and jazz on the map together in a way that still persists today. And Charles Schultz hated jazz. He was the old man. You're talking about that would never think of jazz. Ugh, it's worse than the Beatles. I mean, that's like kind of like the old man feeling in 1964, 1965. Uh, yeah. So that's the for me, that's the really funny thing. So as we began recording A Charlie Brown Christmas, I realized that Caroline and Paul, their middle child, Elizabeth, is a huge Snoopy fan and a Peanuts aficionado. So no episode of A Charlie Brown Christmas would have been complete without having a little Q&A with Elizabeth. So here is our little snippet of our conversation with Elizabeth, putting her to the test on all of her Peanuts knowledge. Hi, Elizabeth. How are you doing? Oh, just fine. We're talking about a Charlie Brown Christmas. Have you ever watched a Charlie Brown Christmas, Elizabeth? Yes, I got it on DVD. You got it on DVD. I have heard from your mom uh, that you're a big Snoopy fan. Is this true? Yes. Other than Snoopy, who is your favorite character in a Charlie Brown Christmas? Charlie Brown. Oh, I see. I love that. I also, Charlie Brown is my favorite in A Charlie Brown Christmas. Well, this special has been around for 50 plus years ago. It back around 1965. What do you know about Vince Graldi? He played Linus and Lucy. Does that sound familiar to you? Yes, I saw it from the Peanuts movie. Dun, 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 dun. Does this music make you happy? When you hear this music, do, does this music like just put you in a good mood right away? Yes. Me too. Me too. It also makes me in a good mood right away. I got to ask you this question because I asked your mom and she was a, she didn't really give me an answer. Snoopy puts together a light a light display for his doghouse in a, a Charlie Brown Christmas special. Yeah? Correct. Do you like how that looks? Does that look good to you with all those crazy lights and decorations that he puts on it? Or do you like the Charlie Brown Christmas tree better? Well, the doghouse seems nice. It wins first yeah. prize. I mean, he does a good job with it. Sure it does. <laughs> Can I give you a trivia question? Maybe you even know that maybe you even know this trivia question. Okay. What color is Snoopy's doghouse in a Charlie Brown Christmas? Uh blue. It is blue. What's weird about that? What color is Snoopy's doghouse all the rest of the time? Red. Red. Weird, right? Why do you think they went with a blue uh, blue doghouse? I think that looks funny. I didn't know that that was the only one that was like that. Did you realize that? No. I was telling Mike about how you've read the Linus Christmas for us before. Yep, last year's Christmas Eve. Do you remember any of it right now? I know it's the end of it. It's because of peace on your goodwill toward men. That's my favorite part. Uh, do, do you think the little kids that are dancing on the stage when Schroeder's playing the the music do you think they dance good or do you think they look funny dancing this is the worst dancing i have ever seen the worst <laughs> it's the worst dancing you've ever seen i mean i don't think it's great but the worst 
Yes, I mean, they just keep repeating the same move over and over again. It's a little repetitive. <laughs> that's true. That's a little true. But, I mean, I gotta, I mean, Pigpen, but looking as dirty as he looks, he still is dancing, though, pretty good. Do you know how to do that Snoopy dance? I can't do it over the radio. That's true, but... Bit doesn't mean Snoopy dance. She does. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like that needs to be a companion piece to this. <laughs> Bit's TikTok doing the Snoopy dance. Oh my god, yes! Punk Club has TikTok. <laughs> I like I like how Snoopy plays the bass, the stand-up bass in this, where he's just slapping it. And there's uh, is it Snoopy that's playing it, or the there's another boy playing it? Pig Pen. Pigpen's playing that one. He's just slapping at it. He's not even pressing any like like strings, right? He's just hitting it. I, I, that's great. I mean, it sounds great just, to me. It's called being in the moment, right? Yeah. He's just enjoying it. That's jazz. I mean, that's yeah. what jazz is about. It's just about being in the moment. Do you think that they should have picked like classical music bit or or maybe like rock and roll music? Or do you like that they chose jazz? I think jazz is fine. Uh, last question. Name for me, Elizabeth, your three favorite Charlie Brown Christmas or uh, Charlie Brown Peanuts specials. Snoopy the Musical. Snoopy okay, the Musical is one. your favorite. Why? Because it got Cam Clark. That's why. <laughs> Cam Clark's your sweetheart, huh? Sort of. He's your sweet babu. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> what are your other two favorites? It's Flash Beagle, Charlie Brown. Wow! Not a lot of people are, are, are picking that as a top favorite. It's a Flash Beagle, Charlie Brown. That, I love that. I got the soundtrack. Oh. On vinyl, Mike. What? Took a long time hunting that beast down, didn't it, Bit? Yeah. You had to ask at hundreds of half-price bookstores, I swear, right? Yeah. And we finally found him. Do you remember that day when you were yelling? You're like, I got him! Yep, that's it. <laughs> that's so funny. Do you still listen to it a lot? Yep. How often would you say you listen to Flash Beagle? A lot. Would you say every day? Yep. I would say at least once a day. <laughs> What's your third favorite Charlie Brown special? Well, have you ever seen the Apple TV Plus Snoopy in Space? I saw it right before it came on the air. Yes, I did see it. Yeah. Do you know anything about it? I don't. I actually, no, I don't. I mean, I, I watched it only a, a, like kind of like half paying attention. Well, that because it's the 50th anniversary of the Apollo space mission back in 1969. That's awesome. That's all I'd say. I did not know that. I did not know that. So, so you were, were, so you like even the new Snoopy stuff. Like if they're come out with like a new Charlie Brown movie or, or like a new Snoopy special, cause Apple TV plus is doing like new Snoopy stuff. There's a new Snoopy show out that maybe just came out. Caroline, is that right? I think. I'm not the expert on this one. What's the newest one that just came out, Bit? The Snoopy Show. That's what it is, yeah. We were just focusing on Snoopy. After all, it's 70th anniversary. Just celebrated last year. True, Snoopy's 70 years old. He looks great. We had a Snoopy birthday party, didn't we? Yeah. It was pretty amazing. Bit, what other Charlie Brown specials can you name? You're a good man, Charlie Brown. Uh Uh-huh. Do you think you could name five? Yep. Hit me. Let me hear it's the Easter Beagle, Charlie Brown. Be my Valentine, Charlie Brown. It's Arbor Day, Charlie Brown. <laughs> and I want a dog for Christmas, Charlie Brown. That's excellent. Some of those are the deep cuts. The- oh, you don't. You have no idea. What do you think is the one that no one has ever seen, but you've seen it? Race for your life, Charlie Brown. Yeah. <laughs> What's and then isn't there another one where they go camping or something, or they go to camp? He's a bully, Charlie Brown. He's a bully, Charlie. He's Brown. a bully, Charlie Brown. That sounds educational. Yeah. 
You have no idea how many Charlie Brown specials we have here, right? Right. I would say quite a few. Well, thanks for coming on with us. Do you have anything else you want to add for people to understand about the Charlie Brown Christmas special? Should people watch it or don't watch it? Watch it. How come? Why? Because it's for tribute to Charles Schultz. He passed away in the new millennium, 2000. Did. So it's a tribute to him? Yep. And we should watch it to, to, to have a tribute to Charles, huh? Yep. He's a good guy? Uh-huh. Tell Mike where we went to over that summer that had to do with Charlie Brown. Cedar Point. We went to Cedar Point. That was Charlie Brown themed. But what about that library? Uh, the Charles M. Schultz Library. Yeah. We went to the Charles M. Schultz Library, and it was all... It's just full of only one thing is included in the Charles M. Schultz Library. Snoopy books? Snoopy books, but all kinds of cartoons, right? Right. The entire library is only cartoonist's work. Right? Whoa, that's really cool. Right. It was pretty amazing. And you know what? We found it on a road trip. We were just eating across the street from it, and we looked outside, and we said, does that say the Charles M. Schultz Library? And Mom's a fun mom, so I was like, let's go. Right. We spent the rest of the day sitting in that library reading. That's amazing. What a great trip. It was super fun, wasn't it? Yeah. Thanks for inviting me over. Oh, thanks for coming on. Tell us before you go, what's your very favorite thing about our Charlie Brown Christmas? If you had to pick one thing to say was your favorite part, what would it be? I know Charlie Brown's catchphrase. Good grief. (laughs) (laughs) We hear that one all the time, don't we? Yep. All the time we say that around here. Well, thanks for coming on with us. You're welcome. Thank you, Elizabeth. Nice meeting you, Mike. Nice meeting you, too. So, yeah, like Linus and Lucy, all that jazz, that wasn't Charles Schultz. Charles Schultz, you know, going on the record saying uh, jazz is awful. Uh, <laughs> but it worked out in the long run, though. I mean, this this soundtrack got admitted into the Grammy Hall of Fame in 2007? Yeah, 2007, the Charlie Brown Christmas special soundtrack is admitted to the Grammy Hall of Fame. Can you imagine? That's amazing. I I mean, it is so identifiable. I mean, you could not have a better branding of a, of a franchise than that song. Right. I mean, you can't, there's no one who hears that and is not like, I have no idea where that comes from. Like, I mean, all you can think about is the the dancing. You have to put your arms straight at your side and just kind of rock back and forth. Yeah. But you know what? It, but like I said, I mean, I listened to a bunch of it and you have Otanenbaum, you have uh, the Fjordelis that Schroeder says he picked for the Christmas music. Um, but it, it's, it's for me, yes, Linus and Lucy, of course, but the Christmas time is here with the vinyl pop. <laughs> that starts it not not hit necessarily me, hit me with how high voiced that is i sing along with it every time, time. <laughs> i do it every time I'm like, is dead. i sing along with it and it's so high pitched and hilarious and every time i'm like is dead. <laughs> it so cracks me up the whole time because it's so high pitched and it, there's just nothing about it that just makes me laugh every time because I have to do that too. Like I can't. I, if I just walk through the room and it's good, I'm like, this is. <laughs> That's really funny. It makes me laugh. <laughs> I'm one of those people who says vinyl's great, and one of the reasons is because of like the popping sound that you get on it, mm-hmm. but just because of how it's mixed. Like it, it's part of that feeling. You're instantly there. Like. Like there, I'm I'm locked in from the from the first strains of it. But then with it ending with "Hark the Herald Angels Sing," after you get this, uh, you get this gem. Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown. Hark the I mean, come on, Caroline, get high, get hype with me. <laughs> it's Christmas time, y'all. I mean, 
that you're being Snoop? <laughs> oh my god, he doesn't do that. He never talks like that. I know. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, so, so it's yeah, ending with the Merry Christmas Charlie Brown and then the Hark to Harold Ranger Sing, the the instrumental of Christmas Time is here and leading us in. And then Linus and Lucy, like all of that is it, it just it just keeps it going even when the tempo of the show is slow and it is. And and it's simplistic and it's little kids learning to speak into a microphone like and we're hearing that every time you watch it. The music really fills in a lot of the gaps. For me, anyway. That's true. Yeah. I mean, it absolutely is one of those ones where it helps tell the story and it and it helps bring us back to a more energetic part of the show. Uh, I, I, I don't know why. I, I, I feel like maybe I had some kind of brain aneurysm when I was putting together our Christmas list. But as, as we move towards starting to think about the Jingle Bell rating for this Yes. Timeless family classic that I, I hope all of your families are gathered around listening to us and reliving it and listening to the music and watching the show as we as we talk to you. I'm going to play a clip for next week's episode and it's got some bad language in it. <laughs> so just be warned, parents, if you have your little How ones there. Why are we going to do that? Well, we're, you know, just we're just going to tell parents just to be warned. It, okay. Yeah, this, be is, this is one of the cleaner segments I could get. So uh, okay. <laughs> All right. What do you want? What? Get out of here. Next. Next. Oh, good. What do you want? This is so gross. What do you want? What are you doing? Ugh. God damn it. Nintendo Deer Hunter 3. A shit what you want? Blowing snot all over everybody and fucking whatever. Next, come on. What do you want? Um, Santa? Yeah, I'm Santa. Come on, what do you want? Um, Barbie? Say cheese. Okay, fine, Barbie. Oh, thank you. Ow, what's the toenails, kid? Shit. Next. Next. This is a very long clip, Mike. Fraggle stick car. Fraggle stick car. Fraggle stick car. Well, I heard you. Fraggle stick car. Fine. (laughs) Oh, Caroline. It's a funny... A fraggle stick car. What is that? Fraggle oh, gosh. Car. Okay, so you're asking me what movie this is. I don't know what movie this is, Mike. What movie is this? It is the Billy Bob Thornton Christmas classic, Bad Santa. Oh, wow. So this is going to have to have a little bit of a, of a of an X-rated rating on this one, Kate. It's an R-rated movie, and, and, and we'll do our best to talk about it. Uh, it probably will not have many clips in it, unlike the Charlie Brown episode tonight, <laughs> because most of them, especially the funniest ones, are not fit for little kids' ears. At oh my all. goodness. At all. Mike, let's do a little bit of fast facts right before we get to Jingle Bells here, because I know you're noodling on it. So I'm going to go first. So guess what? In October 2015, the U.S. Postal Service issued a set of 10 postage stamps with various scenes from the TV special to celebrate its 50th anniversary. I love Ooh. that. Look at the post office coming I through know. in a big way. How about you? What you got? There's a scene where Lucy refers to Charlie Brown simply as Charlie in the special. It's right about uh, right after her... 
uh, speech about Christmas just being a big commercial racket. Uh, it's the only time ever that Lucy refers to Charlie Brown as Charlie. Every other time, it's always Charlie Brown. I think she also calls him Chuck. Or at least Peppermint Patty Pat, calls him Peppermint Chuck. Peppermint Patty calls him Chuck. She always refers to him after that. And then, and every time in this Charlie episode, Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown. But yeah, she calls him, calls it's him like Charlie. That. It's not just Charlie Brown, it's Charlie Brown. <laughs> you have to go down with it, like, oh. So funny. Uh, okay, we'll get this. Someone misspelled Schultz in the credits and added a T to Charles Schultz's last name. How is embarrassing is How that? embarrassing <laughs> they were in a rush mike they were in a rush production ended just 10 days before this premieres on october 2nd 1950 so come on they couldn't go back and look for those t's <laughs> no no and to be fair 99 percent of the times schultz is spelt with a tz so that's true yeah. i mean yeah he should be more like schultz schultz <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Get this. So in 1993, Knott's Berry Farm gave out free VHS copies of this special during the holiday season to kids during a special event. But get this, it's totally different. And remember, this was a Coca-Cola themed whole scene. But no, the VHS types did not contain any previews, promos, studio logos, or even FBI logos. It was just the full unedited special. Bootleg. It was just bootleg. bootleg. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of Knott's Co- Berry Farm. <laughs> uh, speaking of Coca, uh, speaking of Coca Cola, uh, the original airing of this actually had a bunch of animated ink scene inclusions that featured Coca Cola logos, and it was edited out and actually made this special shorter than it originally was because they were taken out. There's a scene where I think it's Linus actually crashes into a Coca Cola sign at one point in the current edited version he kind of like falls off screen and you just hear him off screen but in the original version like there's a coca-cola sign there because they paid for it they had all of this in place promotion animated into the special i think that's very interesting and i I had read something about how i don't have this in front of me but i had read something about how they had decided that you couldn't do advertising in children's shows and that's why they actually took it out which is interesting to me that they decided that you can't be advertising to children because i don't think that that's rang true (laughs) i think that that fell away at some point the closing carol actually originally uh went instead of fading out it was actually originally like the entire verse and then you know it had it comes up uh with uh united feature syndicate that credit at the very end of this originally Mm -hmm. right before that or right after it they had merry christmas from your local bottler of coca-cola well i mean to be fair they paid the money to make the special i don't really see why they had to take it out but apparently they had other sponsors at different points and they got a little a little bristly about it just being every year they have to sell ad time for the old charlie brown christmas special and so yeah they're a little over the coca-cola being being focused on if this was being done today (laughs) every year they would just animate in new ads you know linus would just crash into a different branded sign would be doritos one year it would be (laughs) right then it's like samsung or whatever (laughs) die hard batteries another year you know exactly how topical die hard batteries are (laughs) i 
you know what? Because they're ad- they were airing a Die Hard commercials uh, with Bruce Willis as a tie-in. Because I guess they, they've they've re they've rebooted the Die Hard battery brand, and so they were doing a Die Hard uh, tie-in recently. Did you know that the Charlie Brown Christmas special won an Emmy for outstanding children's programming in 1966? That makes me so happy, and it makes me, me feel so justified in my love for this. Schultz actually was not called up on stage. Again, How weird uh, is that? So it's, it, he's Charlie Brown. He's the lovable yeah. loser. He never wins. And, and actually, so, uh, Melendez and Mendelssohn, who are called up on stage, they call Charles Schultz up on stage. This is, this is his entire, the entirety of his, uh, his acceptance speech goes, Charlie Brown's not used to winning. So we thank you. Charles <laughs> Schultz with no T in your last name. <laughs> Charles Schultz. Charles Schultz. <laughs> What are you trying to pull here? Super funny. funny. Well, Mike, it is coming to that time when we are ready to give our Jingle Bell rating. And I'm going to let you go first this time. Oh, man. I, I Up until this very moment, I had been planning on giving this a 10. Really? Yeah. And Are you I, giving it an 11? Oh, man, I wish. <laughs> I wish. I, I'm going to go. I'm going to give this a 9.9. Oh, wow. Because... I think it's very, very doubtful I will fall in love with anything during the remaining 43 weeks of this podcast, more than I love A Charlie Brown Christmas, but I don't want to close the door, and I still reserve the right that at the end of the 52 weeks, I may bump it up the last 10th, but for right now, this is going to sit right at the red line and sit at 9.9 Jingle Bells for me. (laughs) Okay, Mike. Well, for me, here's how I feel. Oh, boy. If it was just me, I would give this an 8.5. And that is because I think that over time and the way that our entertainment industry has changed and the way that we, you know, give content to kids and adults has changed quite a bit. So I don't know that I would say that it is aged terrifically well. I think that it has its moments that are very special and very impactful and very important. I'm really happy that they have this 25 minute runtime. And that's what kind of keeps me like, yes, okay. But But because this show is loved so much by my offspring, I cannot leave it at an 8.5 because that would be completely unfair. I do think that its inclusion of having the religious aspect, continuing this idea of hope and belief and believing in the other kids, which was like a big part, like the kids work it out together and they Mm -hmm. all pull together. That was also very like Polar Express. There was a lot of pulling together and working it out together. There's a lot there that warms my heart every year, and so I'm going to give it a nine. Okay, I think that's very fair. You you asked me, you know, what are the parts that like really get to you? Yeah, I really have to know what what yanks your string. When do you tear up? He hears Linus's speech about the Bible, and he no longer cares and no longer needs to direct the Christmas play. And he takes his little his tree and he leaves and he goes home. He takes the ornament. Famously, the big red ornament, he puts it on his tree and it falls over and and all of his joy and happiness just drains out of him. And, and he just exasperately declares, I've killed it. And he slinks away. This thing that had become to signify it was going to be OK for him. And now he thinks he's killed the thing. 
the kids follow him out and, and they follow him out and in a show that is not well animated. And I admit that it is not well animated. It is janky. It is, it has not held up well, but it never looked good. See, that's the thing. Even as a kid, I remember thinking this looks horrible. I was watching Transformers <laughs> and GI Joe, man. I was watching sophisticated animation in the 1980s. Charlie Brown Christmas in the 1980s, even then did not look good. It never mattered to me. It never mattered to me. Anyway, so when he leaves, the kids all kind of look at each other and they follow him out like he's some kind of science experiment. Like kids do, like, well, this is the most interesting thing happening now. Chuck the weirdo with his tree wandering out of the school auditorium. Let's go find this. I love that they follow him. I think it's so funny. They all move as a herd like he is a big science experiment. But then when they come and they fix the tree and Linus wraps his whoopee around it and, and the tree grows, the tree becomes this, this thick fur lush with ornamentation and, 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 and leaves. It's bad animation, but God, it, it, it just makes me believe in, in humanity and the goodness of people. And that even when you don't think it can be better, it can get better. It will get better. What I'm hearing you say is that it, it's it's that miracle moment, too. It's that moment of, like, that little twig shouldn't be able to look so good at the end, but everybody comes together and everybody gives a little, and it becomes Their love makes it look thing. better, right? Their friendship yeah. and their goodwill brings yeah. that tree to life. It's the same feeling that I felt at the end of It's a Wonderful Life when they're all singing and everyone puts in their couple dollars and saves George. Like it's that feeling, that bringing together that makes this a, a wonderful Christmas program for sure. I would not miss it. It should be on your hit list. It should be on your hit list. I think every everyone should watch this. You know, it's funny that we were talking about the tree. It's actually one of the things Charles Schultz, he really was just such a, a, a Charlie Brown come to life. <laughs> he was forever embarrassed and continued to talk about how he was embarrassed at the inconsistent animation of the tree and the tree changes and morphs. It's, it has more limbs and trees and bristles and then it has less throughout the special. And then, but then it has this big growth and that is yeah. very intentional and, and it really feels like all of the this goodwill and love makes the tree grow. And I love that. I love that. It, 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 it's so heart reaffirming that it, it can, it can and will be better. I love it. I love it so much. That's the Christmas spirit, right? It's that it's the perpetual hope. It's the season of perpetual hope. Uh, yeah. uh, Mom said it best in home alone. Kevin. This is Caroline. <laughs> and this is Mike. Thank you for listening to the 52 Weeks of Christmas podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to 52 Weeks of Christmas podcast at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you don't, our tree will fall over and die. Please, please go give us a good rating. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. 
and the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bid you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you this day in the city of David, a Savior which Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. We shall find the babe wrapped in swollen clothes, lying in the manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men.